1: everybody, and welcome to this amazing podcast called Forever 35. It's a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. And I am Kate Spencer. And I am Dory
0: Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums.
1: Indeed, we are, Dory, And if you would like to visit our website where we track the serums and other things we talk about on every episode, you can visit forever35podcast.com for links, for transcripts. You can follow us on Twitter at forever35pod, Instagram at forever35podcast, and you can join the Forever 35 Facebook group where the password is serums.
0: And just a reminder, you can sign up for the newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. I also just want to mention that we are running like a special on classified ads this month where if you buy two you get one free
1: and
0: you don't have to run them like three in a row like you could run one now one in july and one in december for example um so if you're interested in that email sam at forever 35 podcast.com Excellent, Dory. Yeah, I know. Pretty exciting. Um, Also, if you want to reach us, call or text us at 781-591-0390. Email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. There's just like a lot of ways to get in touch. We love to hear from you. We really do. Um, And just in case anyone was wondering, I dropped the eggplant stamp off at kate (laughs) spencer's house today
1: contact has been made
0: contact has been made eggplant emoji (laughs) contact has been made
1: it's been made i'm going to be signing a bunch of books if that was in there and requested i will stamp away i'm also getting to do some book signings this week and so if there are people there who request it i'm ready to stamp Kate, did,
0: did you get an ink pad? I did. I haven't opened okay. it yet, <laughs> but I did order a purple, egg, a okay. purple okay. <laughs> ink pad. I, I, was, I was concerned about this.
1: I mean, look, the things on my to-do list are so strange right now. <laughs> order p- big purple stamp pad. Like, what is uh, what?
0: Uh, get eggplant stamp from Dory.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> truly, that's truly on my to-do list. Meanwhile, you know, Anthony, who I think is coming to one of my signing events, he doesn't know about, like, our secret world over here in Forever 35.
0: Oh. So
1: he's in for a real treat when I start stamping.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, you know, I'm just now thinking of something that I should have gotten you to celebrate your book release, and and it's too late.
1: Eggplant Parmesan?
0: Well, no. Do you know that – What's it called? Print all over me.
1: Like the little funny socks.
0: So there's this company called print all over me Mm. and they make custom printed clothes and you can like upload any kind of (laughs) image and they will make like anything out of it And I really missed my chance of making you like an eggplant sweatshirt, or even like a sweatshirt with your book cover on it. Oh gosh, I really dropped the ball here. No, you didn't. Because let's be honest, would I
1: be comfortable going out in public in a shirt with eggplant emojis on it? (laughs) I don't think I would.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, I'm just picturing that.
1: (laughs) Like me taking
0: your taking your kids to school. Yeah. Hey, parents. Oh my god! But how funny would it be if you like actually played dumb and you were like, <laughs> and "I was just like I love eggplant. I love eggplant. I <laughs> but it's like my favorite food." So I got this sweatshirt. The truth is, I do love <laughs> eggplant.
1: There you go. It's not even a lie. No, my grandfather grew eggplants, and like I always have enjoyed eating eggplant. He had a little eggplant side garden in his big garden.
0: Wow, yeah. he was ahead of his time.
1: You know what, Grandpa Ed knew something was coming in the eggplant world he had a yeah he had an inkling and eggplant parmesan is one of my favorite foods so i truly do love the nightshade but it would be very awkward it would be awkward if i rolled up to like a pta meeting in my eggplant sweatshirt
0: yeah i was just thinking we could Mm. we could rewrite that song you know, I love the nightlife as like, I love the nightshade. Sorry. <laughs> I love a nightshade. Oh my God. Could write a whole, we, could, we, could, we could write an ode to eggplant. Well, there are and other vegetables
1: included in the nightshade family. Yeah, so
0: I'm aware. I'm aware. I so, love a nightshade. Just oh think about it, Kate. <laughs> think about it.
1: The hit parody song from two two <laughs> forty something
0: podcast. Hosts. I mean I we love are a basically nightshade. weird Al over here. That's right. We're weird. <laughs> we are weird. We're weird cat and door. We are <laughs> Look for our upcoming album (laughs) Oh my
1: god, our parody album
0: Our parody album on Apple Music
1: (laughs) Uh, It could be a hit You know what? We could release I Love the Nightshades on a TikTok And who knows? I feel like that could go viral
0: It could go mega vi As we used to say at BuzzFeed
1: (laughs) You didn't say that.
0: It was like kind of tongue in cheek. Okay, okay, okay. You know? Um, Yeah, no, it was not like serious. Hey, I just want to
1: congratulate you on taking care of your breasts.
0: Oh, thanks, Kate. You mammoed. I mammoed. That's great. I mammoed. Everything was normal. I just got the results. I also did, I did an ultrasound at the same time because I have dense breast tissue and they would have made me come back for the ultrasound. So now I just schedule them both for the same day. Oh, that's really smart. And then you just get it like all taken care of.
1: Now, do you do the trick where at the appointment, you schedule next year's appointment so it's already in your calendar? I do. Yeah. That is such a great practice, I have to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do that at most places. I would say, like most doctors or services, um, like I try to schedule my next haircut kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I Um, never do this, but I did just get a facial and I scheduled the next one.
0: It's great. I mean, I should do this with doctor's appointments. I mean, the only problem with scheduling things like a year out is like... Things often change. Yes. Um. But at least then you have something on the calendar and you can usually shift it and you're start- and, like, you have the appointment. So, yes, I did. Um. <laughs> although when I called to make the appointment, the person who answered was like, oh, you were last here in 2020. Like sort of shamey. And Whoa. I just didn't say anything.
1: This was for your mammogram?
0: Yeah. I just was like, mm. Okay. Like, okay, what's your point? (laughs) Yeah. Were you like, hey, there's been a global pandemic? pandemic. And also, like, slow your roll. I'm calling now to make an appointment. There's no need to get all shamey on me. See, that really bothers me. Like, I've had that,
1: I've had, I've gone into making an appointment. Like, one of the reasons I didn't book a dental appointment because I was so embarrassed. It had been like three years. And then when I finally did it, I was like, I was so nervous, like that you guys were going to say something and they were like, oh no, they
0: were, they were super nice about it. So my dentist was also super nice when I came back after like three years. Yeah. I, I had tried, my dentist is kind of far from my house. I really like him, but I was like, I should just find a dentist that's closer to me. And then I went to one, I think I talked about this on the pod. That I felt like was kind of scammy, like a scammy dentist
1: mm, where they just you want know, to like the, whiten your teeth.
0: They want to like do a million things. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> like, do I really need all this stuff? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, and then I hadn't gone to the dentist in like a, like probably over a year, or maybe more. And, and so I called my old dentist and they, they welcomed me back with open arms.
1: That's a sign of a good dentist.
0: That is a sign of a good dentist. I agree. Yeah.
1: I mean, I do think that that kind of fear of being ashamed for not having an appointment in many years or perhaps even ever yes. does keep people away. And I don't yeah. like that.
0: No, I know. I think my husband has this. So it's it's really hard to overcome.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully the person who picked up the phone when you made your mammogram appointment is listening to this podcast. <laughs>
0: I made sure to slipper our business card. <laughs> You're like, I've got
1: just a random suggestion of a podcast episode yeah. <laughs> you should listen to. Uh, uh,
0: um, yeah. So that that was good news to get today. Also, my parents are here.
1: You guys are really making up for lost time, I feel like.
0: They've been visiting a lot. They're well, here like they every were, couple of months, right? They were here in... They were here like over the holidays. We went to Palm Springs together and, yeah, so that was that was just over two months ago. That's really
1: nice. I'm so glad they're visiting,
0: yeah, it's really nice too, because I feel like it is infinitely easier for them to visit me than for us to go visit them, yeah, um, you know, to travel with Henry, who's a little easier to travel with now that he will stare at a screen for five hours, but like it's still a lot to deal with um. So it's, it's been very nice that they have been, you know, able to travel to us.
1: I'm really very happy that they can do that. That's wonderful.
0: Also, Kate, I texted this to you, but my mom is reading your book. Okay.
1: I'm so nervous about this now. <laughs> my mother-in-law texted me last night was like, I can't wait for my copy to arrive. And like, I'm so excited. I'm so honored. But I'm also like, what if it's not for them?
0: Can they handle well, you know. This is, I said. To, my mom was like, "What's like? What's her book like?" And I was like, "It's a rom com. It is delightful. It is such a fun read. I love it." And she was like, she was like, will people like it? And I was like, I think they will. But if you open it up and you're hoping for like Dostoevsky, then like, you might not be into it. But like, if you just want like a really fun, lovely, cozy read, then like, yes, it is for you. And then I was like, do you want to read it? And she was like, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well and like we should establish
1: that your mom is in a book club back home with my favorite high school teacher
0: yes switches a, a book club of over 30 years wow yeah i forget how
1: we made this connection at some point but at some point we worked out that yeah. my favorite teacher from high school
0: yes is in my mom's book club yes
1: so I, know, I don't know if I can handle my funny... book getting to
0: Oh yeah. my Should I AP give... U- Should U.S. I give... history teacher. <laughs> Should I no. give it to you? <laughs> I don't know about this. I mean, I bet, you know what, honestly, I bet she'll buy it. Well, that's very
1: nice. She's so, such a wonderful teacher. And when I went back to my high school a few years ago, I like cried when I got to give her a hug. She's really changed Aww. my life. I mean, she's just a fantastic teacher. Yeah, That's a so good nice. teacher, man, a good teacher can change your life and a bad teacher can change your life. Yeah. I mean, that like is, I've mentioned on this podcast, I talk about my teachers in therapy who like, yeah, really but you also had
0: up. really great teachers.
1: I also had great
0: teachers. Also, great so, teachers. You know, goes both ways. <laughs> it's a two way street. <gasps> it is a two way street. Has anyone ever heard that before? <laughs> Another phrase we've made up here on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You know, I wonder if there are people who like not have been like living under a rock, but just are not familiar with sort of common idioms or phrases like that. And like, what if someone thought they made that up?
1: I would let them have that. You know?
0: Yeah. Like, let them
1: have it. If someone in your life thinks they made up a very common phrase, just
0: give it to them. Yeah, I kind of just feel like.
1: Okay, you deserve it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right, so
1: Kate. So when I come to you and I'm like, Dory, have you ever heard of the phrase to kill two birds with one stone? Just thought of it. Make sure you <laughs> let I'll me ha- be own like, that.
0: Well, look, Kate, I have to tell you, a stitch in time saves nine. <laughs> I, I made that up. <laughs> and, and then together, you'll have to be like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll just walk away. Yep.
0: Yep. Walk yep, away smiling. Yep. Just walk away.
1: You know, in uh, in true Forever thirty five ness, I did just get a facial right before this podcast. Tell me about this facial. I just had a really lovely facial with a facialist a friend recommended. I will link to her for all my Los Angeles peeps, and it was just delightful. She was wonderful, and I did some microdermabrasion, which I really like. I mean, Mm. I my skin is very glowy.
0: It is. And
1: it fe- I can- just felt so nice. I can't remember the last mm-hmm. time I had a facial. I'm sure it was like, you know, maybe five or six months ago. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But it just was like, oh, yes, like, put on some salicylic acid. Like, let's cook this skin. And she was – um she also really reiterated something that other facialists have said to me, which is that I do have dehydrated skin, and to mm. maybe focus more on hydrating than on exfoliating. So, and yes. and she encouraged me to get back to my microcurrent device. So I might pick that. Yep. Yeah, so oh. stand stand by for my intention this week, everybody.
0: Interesting. You know, I just got a press thing about what I think is a microcurrent device. And I was intrigued. So I will report back if I end up trying that one.
1: I cannot wait. (laughs) I Um, I would be curious because I want to know which one this is.
0: I have really (laughs) been hankering for a massage.
1: Well, you know, things are, for better or for worse, opening up. And that is something you can go do right now support a small business too. You know, it's been a hard couple of years. Go get, go get a massage every week. Oh, Kate. And you can stay masked if you feel more comfortable getting
0: a massage. A massage does
1: sound nice. My shoulder is real tight right now.
0: Mm. It does sound really nice. I want to go do that.
1: You know what? If we (sighs) ever go away together, would you feel comfortable getting a couple's massage with me? No. You wouldn't want to like be in a room together, staring at each other. That Kate, would be weird. I will.
0: I will. I, I agree. I would get. I would get individual massages in the same room. I would be fine with oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. That's I feel what a couple's like, massages, is, isn't it? Mm, I think oh. a couple's massage is like a little more sensual. <laughs> like I've, I've never had one, but my impression was that a couple's massage is really sort of like encouraging the connection between. The, the the couple you know okay. what i mean like between the two people and the couple
1: i've only had one on my honeymoon oh, at a marriott in hawaii okay. okay and there was right. no there was i don't think there was any like now touch each other and I, I feel like reality shows have really done a disservice to the couple's okay. massage
0: so maybe i have a totally wrong impression Well, it's like anytime you
1: watch The Bachelor, the couples massage always involves them like straddling each other and rubbing oils on each other. But
0: (laughs) right, which like frankly, I'm not interested. I don't want to do that (laughs) with my actual person. I'm in a couple with. Yes. Okay. So when you pitched that, I was just like, "Mm, no,
1: no, maybe not. I more meant like just both being in the same room on the beds together.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. When are we doing this? I don't know, but I want when is to this get happening? out of here. <laughs> when I don't this know, this but Kate? doesn't that sound nice? Yes. Like just going on. Just, hey. Oh yeah. You know what? You know what is like my sort of dream? Like if I won the lottery kind of mm. vacation, like a true spa vacation where like, I'm getting like three treatments a day. <laughs>
1: I'm with you. I am with you.
0: I have looked at these places
1: online being like, I should try, I should go to one of these. And then it's like. so expensive. Yeah. You click on how much it costs and it's like a year's salary. Yeah. It's like
0: insane. It's so expensive.
1: (sighs) That would be Um, such. That's the fantasy I play where I'm like, if I'm ever a celebrity that makes a lot of money, I'll go to like Canyon Ranch or one of those places and just.
0: Yes. Ugh. Or that like Amangiri. So nice. I've never seen, even heard of that. No. It's like, I feel like the Kardashians go there sometimes. It's in Utah. It's like Ugh. super luxurious and beautiful. And like, but I think the rooms are like, I don't know, $2,000 a night or something. Like something just like so expensive that you're just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> and the fact that someone
1: is there, like just putting on their credit card going for it. I know. Like, wow, I know. Godspeed to you. Uh, You know what though, Dory? You know what we could do? What? Is a Dory's hotel version of like Dory's spa ranch.
0: I'm listening. Go on. I'm just saying.
1: I'm just saying.
0: No, take me on this journey, Kate. No, no, no.
1: I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared to take anybody on a journey. I'm just saying maybe. You got me
0: all like excited for this.
1: Dory, I mean, it would all be like neutral colors. Okay. It's affordable, but very expensive feeling.
0: Oh yes. You yes, know what I'm saying? Like,
1: you can't believe you're getting a deal, but you are somehow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. There's a are li- we like okay, we, I'm 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 gonna manifest this for us.
1: There's a really big glass jug of lemon water with a lot of oh, ice yeah. when you walk in the front of the spa. Oh
0: yeah. You know? Yeah, this sounds really nice.
1: Someone took our bags right when we got there.
0: Okay, I do have a sort of I do have a kind of fantasy about a scenario like this that is possibly doable that I like very uh ha- like not half-heartedly but like I looked into it when I went away to Joshua Tree a couple of weeks mm. ago I sort of looked into this for that trip but like not really and I did it so late that there was like no way it was going to happen but Let's just say we went away to somewhere like say Joshua Tree or Palm okay. Springs and beautiful we rent a, areas. a beautiful desert area a beautiful a beautiful home with a pool and like an outdoor covered sort of patio and we hire massage people to come to the house and yes. set up their massage beds in the shade by the pool Yes and they are there all day <laughs> And we just take as many massages as we want. Yes, And we have a private chef.
1: Oh, yes, of course. Yes. And someone's gone to Costco and gotten mini cans of Pringles, which we're each just allowed to snack on. And someone
0: who looks like Chris Pine right now is serving (sighs) us drinks by the pool.
1: This is so interesting that you selected Chris Pine comma right now because he's making a very deliberate choice with his look.
0: I am so here for it. I can't even <laughs> tell you. He's like grown at his
1: hair. Yeah. He's got a beard. And like he's aging into his skin. So he's like a little
0: leathery. It's like so perfect. I put and this of course, in course on a man, in-
1: everybody's like, yes, leathery face. But on a woman, people are like,
0: never. Well, he also has those like piercing <clears throat> blue eyes. His
1: hair is kind of gray.
0: The hair is and the beard is gray. And he's the clothes he's wearing right now are like next level. I'm just like so into it. I put I put two pictures of him in my newsletter today <laughs> because I was just like please behold hipster zaddy Chris Pine. Hipster
1: zaddy. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's hot. It's hot. I'm it's into hot. it too.
0: So I think he would be there shirtless serving us Drinks by the pool
1: He's kind of like a baby Brad Pitt Is kind of what he looks like right now And I prefer Brad I prefer a Brad Pitt But But I'm not against this You know what At
0: this point Brad Pitt has so much baggage That like I can't even Oh but Dory
1: that's the like, don't you want to go in and fix? That's where, that's what it gets me every time. Anyone who's got that now, baggage, I'm like, I'm I'll like, be the I one. I
0: can't. No, I can't. I can't take that on. It's too <sighs> much. I can't take Brad Pitt on. <laughs>
1: Meanwhile, yeah, Dory, sorry. He tried, but Dory said, no, thanks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Kate, even though this wasn't like a full-on Dory's hotel, you did lead me down a really nice path.
1: Can I just make another, like, just add another fantasy? Yes, Going please. Going back to our couples massage. Yes. What okay. if you were getting massaged by hipster Zaddy Chris Pine, and I was getting massaged by like, like AARP old man Brad Pitt? <laughs>
0: I think though, honestly, I think it would be like too sensual for me. <laughs> could you imagine? Like it would, I would not be able to handle it. That's like I could have him serving me drinks, but him giving me a massage, I think might like it I, might be too. I much. don't know what would happen. Yeah. Okay. So I I I see your proposal, and I. I have to just... You need me to rein it in. You need
1: me to I rein it to, in.
0: I need to rein it in just just, just an iota, just a tad. Okay. But I am going to stick like, with Brad. I really like where your head's at.
1: Thank you. I think we can continue this exploration.
0: And it, none of
1: it will probably come true, but we can try.
0: I mean, we don't know that. That's true. We don't know that. Kate. Completely switching gears, we had the most fascinating conversation with our guest today, Catherine Jezer Morton. Uh, uh, she is just this like amazing genius who studies momfluencers. She's an academic.
1: Yeah. And she has gone deep in the world, the social media world that really, quite frankly, touches us all, whether we are moms or not.
0: Totally. So she's based in Montreal. She writes about parenting, technology, city life, and lots of other subjects that excite her. And she is a PhD candidate in sociology at Concordia University. As of September 2019, she's an ABD, which means she has finished all her coursework. She just has to write her dissertation. So good job, Catherine. Um, She is researching the transition that mommy blogs have undergone since 2012 from confessional texts. To monetized personal brand platforms, in particular, she's interested in how online platforms have created affordances that have allowed for previously untold accounts of motherhood to become socially significant. Mm. Yes, I, I mean we just really got into it. Yeah, it was it was, re-
1: it was really interesting. Also, she has an amazing self care practice.
0: Yes. Yes, she does.
1: That we've never talked about on the podcast before. So <laughs>
0: no, we have not. No,
1: no, we haven't.
0: <laughs> no, we haven't. Um and she she has a really great newsletter called Mothers Under the Influence um, that I highly recommend. So without further ado, here is Catherine. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast, but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. our listeners will get an additional fifteen percent off an annual membership at masterclass dot com slash f thirty five. Get fifteen percent off right now at masterclass dot com slash f thirty five. That's masterclass dot com slash f thirty five.
0: Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is, and I feel like also with summer, just come more Well, we are so excited to be talking to you today, Catherine. Welcome to Forever 35. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is... Uh, Kate and I are both like chomping at the bit to ask We've you a lot of questions.
1: Questions.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> okay. cover
1: some of our favorite stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad <laughs> that I'm not the only one that's as kind of obsessed and fixated with my area. Because it, it, it's... I feel like it's been so nice. A lot of people have had questions. And so I feel less alone. When I started doing this research, I felt a little bit like I was an obsessive and mm, no one else mm, cared. Yeah. And it turns out that I was wrong.
0: <laughs> I mean, isn't that also kind of a function of just like being in academia, right? Yeah. Like, you you can feel so like siloed. But I don't know. Yeah, Was that your experience?
2: No, I mean, Totally. And it's also just like where you're doing research. Um, mm. So just it just so happened that at the university that I'm at, which is wonderful and I adore it, but there was no one else that I knew that was doing this kind of thing. And people right. are always like, oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm, I feel like you don't really think this is a real thing. <laughs> right.
0: Totally. Well, we think it's a real thing. Um, and yeah, I'm just like thrilled that I think I must have first come across your work on Twitter. So I'm glad that you decided to kind of share it with the wider non-academic world. Um, Well, as you probably know, we do like to start off our conversations with guests by asking about a self-care practice that they have. Um, So what is something that you are doing these days uh, that you would consider self-care?
2: So yeah, I mean, I think if I were speaking to you in the summer, I would be like a totally different person because I live in Montreal and the winters here are like really serious. Mm. And so like people who live here have like two lives. We have like a winter life and a summer life. And like, we're kind of different people. I I sort of think of myself that way. Um, so like this past winter, you know, it's been really with COVID, um, we had like really intense restrictions here for the past two years. And so there was a lot of like, okay, how are we going to what are we gonna do to adjust and it's so cold in the winter that like outdoor hangs were challenging right yeah. yeah and there was no like exercise was hard but montreal is like a real winter city um and if you come here in the winter like you really notice people are out and about so i've gotten pretty into cross-country skiing at night uh, Ooh. in the dark Ooh. and there's Tori. a big there's a <laughs> sorry oh boy okay mm-hmm. there's a mountain in the middle of the city that's really like not big at all but it's a big park like it was it's like a frederick law olmstead park with trails going up it and um it's great cross-country skiing and i live pretty close to it and so basically i started going up at night as like just a way to leave the house like you know in like deep covid it would be like 8 p.m and that would be this time where you're like this life is bad. Like this is this is not good. And so that at that hour I started leaving um, and going up onto the mountain and skiing um, and just going up to the top or going around the top. And I would sometimes go with a friend. Um, I had like a few women buddies that would join me. And it's really cool to be at night because the light of the city reflects off the snow. So you don't need like a headlamp but it's also like kind of intense because you are a little bit blind and like you don't have depth perception to so like going down these hills kind of suspended in space. And it's like a physically very amazing feeling as an adult to feel like a little bit like, Oh my God. Um, but like also not really be in danger because you're not really going that fast. So, and then afterwards, like we might drink some whiskey by the car before leaving <laughs> and going home. Like if I was with a friend. So it was like a little social thing that I started doing pretty regularly. Mm. Um, and it was also the way that I got a little exercise and like alone time, just like time away from my family and my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been really, really important to me. Um, and I'm actually like, as much as I can't wait for it to be warm, I'm, I'm going to miss it. When it's spring,
1: yeah. What I thought, do you have a physical activity that you think replaces it as the weather warms up?
2: Not really. Mm. Like I go to the gym because gyms were closed forever, so yeah. now the gyms are open again, and I'm like, I guess I'm just gonna go back to the gym, which is like not as romantic or interesting or like a journey of the soul the way that nighttime cross country skiing has been
0: sometimes. So yeah, no, I don't. I, it, it was like my special winter thing. It's uh, so yeah. it's so funny you bring this up because Kate and I were just having this conversation about how I've like started doing all these different social activities because of the pandemic. Like I started playing tennis again and I now play a monthly mahjong game. Like all these things that I never did before because it was like oh fuck, it's a pandemic. Like what are we supposed to do? Like and so it's so interesting that you also kind of found this thing that mm. came to like bring you a lot of joy um but sort of came out of like this really horrible thing that has happened to us <laughs> as humanity. <laughs> yeah.
2: Totally. I mean that that is really the way it's been and you know I've cross country skied for forever and I used to go before the pandemic but it never felt as urgent and right. then it, I started inviting friends for these night skis and it became like ritualized mm. and it really took on a different social uh meaning. So yeah, for sure. Uh, so. I think
1: I think we also just need to highlight cross country skiing is like one of the most challenging cardiovascular activities one can do. I mean I, I'd like I can make it five minutes and I am sweating buckets so do you have you noticed a change in your in your strength or your stamina from doing this
2: you know i'll say like it can be really challenging but like you don't like i don't we don't like go fast or anything like it's pretty mellow (laughs) like we're not okay okay i'm like having a conversation with a friend like while skiing, so we're like definitely not trying to get out of breath you know okay okay. we we pause (laughs) like oh wait i need to like keep talking so i can't be panting um I would say like my arms, like this, the, this area, my lower upper arms really experienced pain and then, you know, strengthening because you're pulling like yeah. relentlessly. Um, yeah. It's, it's a pretty good workout, and but it is also like something like tennis where they say you can do it into old age because it's like kind of easy on your joints. Mm. Um, so like, I don't find that it is, doesn't like make me feel like, oh, I've been worked, you know, like,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it sounds great. Um, but let's talk a little bit about your work in the momfluencer sphere. Um, one thing that you wrote in a recent newsletter of yours, uh, which I love, I just love your newsletter and you recently wrote among the mom influencers. What's taken for granted behind every post is an idea that families can and should expect ongoing forward progress in all areas, upward class mobility, personal growth, adventure, and opportunities. So, let's talk about this. Oh boy! <laughs> um, oh <what> boy! Is, <laughs> I know where to begin. Um, well, what what is kind of generally problematic about this, and why is it something that followers slash audiences have kind of come to expect from momfluencers can i also just this this might be
1: uh, presumptuous but what is like what is a momfluencer in case there's one person out there who Mm. doesn't know or if not familiar with the term
2: okay so momfluencers are, are is are anyone and they are you know cis women um it's very it's very cisgendered we're talking here um who make money from their social media representations of their family lives? So it could be on Instagram. It could be on YouTube. It could be on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But, um, as long as I consider you a momfluencer, if you're earning an income from your content, um, yeah. And so to your question, Dory, you know, I think what's problematic about the kind of the teleology of progress, the way it's been in, embedded in family life. Uh, among these influencers is that I think as followers, we don't notice it um it becomes something that because it's unspoken, like no one's mm. saying like there are these rules, and we have to follow them right okay, now we're gonna do that. These are totally unspoken structures that I think the audience looks at, and without having them defined for us, we see them and and we see them through like you know, oh, we just, you know, we're moving into a new house. We're, we're renovating. We're doing, they're constantly revealing new renovations, right? Obviously having more children, um, you know, introducing new exciting ventures. It feels like these families are just always having a great year, year after year after year. Um, and like m- most of us don't live that way. Like we don't experience life that way. And that's because it's not normal. It's really, it's not the way that people (laughs) have ever lived in history, right? Like most families and and most individuals, like, you know, you have long periods of time where like maybe nothing changes or maybe like things get kind of not great and you're kind of in a trough or maybe things get really bad. Like, you know, life is so up and down Mm. and that reality, which is like, you know, essential to, like, understanding, like, what it is to be human, that, like, we're deeply vulnerable to, like, the kind of vagaries of existence, and it affects all of us, like, we don't see that in this space very often, Mm. um, or at all, and so I think that it can really mess, I'm not saying that, like, audience members are, like, too dumb to realize that it's not real life, like, we know that we're looking at, like, something that is staged, like, you know, we're all very savvy consumers of media at this point, but still like it gets into like the back of your mind, you know, like it's, these are kind of subliminal messages of progress is inevitable mm. or like, you know, progress is just what happens to you if you are awesome and have like a great work ethic. And like, I know people that work their asses off and like, you know, their lives are, they're just trying to hang on, like they're yeah. just trying to keep what they have. And that's what you know, most people I think experience their lives that way where it's like, I'm just trying to keep it so that everything stays basically not utter chaos. Right. And yeah. So I just think it, it's, um, for a lot of reasons to do with like our economic selves, it's, it's a really unrealistic expectation of what life can be.
0: Yeah. It also made me, my, a friend of mine, um, Elizabeth Olson, who was recently on this pod, pointed out to me recently that there's a a design blogger she follows who's sort of like in the nexus of like momfluencer and design influencer. Um, And I shouldn't say, I, I guess blogger, but she's mostly on Instagram. Um, But she pointed out that this woman is just constantly redecorating her house. Mm. So, or, re, or renovating, like, so she'll finish her kitchen and then she'll be like, I'm changing the countertops. I'm changing the cabinets and it and it's like this almost like pathological need to constantly have something new and and feel like it's improving, quote unquote. Yeah.
2: And I think that we then can very easily translate this improvement of the environment into this like requirement to improve the self. Yeah. And you know, this is a self-care podcast, like I feel like we you guys are really interested in like ways of making yourself feel better. Right. And like making your life easier. Like these are all things that I think we're all super interested in, like getting, knowing more about. But I think that the dangerous thing is, is this idea of like, you're, you just need to keep getting better and better and better and better mm-hmm. every year, every year, every year. And like, the, that's the logic of capitalism, right? Like the iPhone has to get better every generation. Otherwise the competitor is going to, you know, Samsung's going to make a phone that's going to, you know, take the market share away. Like, that makes sense for the way that products work. But like, we're not products, you know? And so right. like, this idea Ooh. of continuous improvement does not, it has no business having anything to do with ourselves. And yet, like, we, I think we all experience its influence. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely do. I mean, just because I read and think about this stuff all the time, mm. it doesn't mean that I like, mm. don't feel that deeply inside myself, you know?
1: I, it, it's funny you just you kind of mentioned this uh performative upward mobility because one of the mom influencers i follow she and her husband just bought a, a new house in utah and they're leaving hawaii and heading back to utah and like and and that it's that is exactly what is happening on this one account that i'm very invested in they're like 15 years younger than me and i'm still like oh I've got a, like, I can feel the impact of that as a, just an observer over here in California. So it's just a, oh boy, resonates with my own habits. It's, I also, I'm curious, like this thing that we do that makes us feel good is also kind of harmful, right? Like, cause it does feel good to fixate on, let's say momfluencers or any kind of influencer, but ultimately it's making us feel like crap. Right, like it's it's not the cycle is not positive.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't I can't speak for the audience because I actually don't research the audience. It's so like mm. I've never interviewed audience members and been like, talk to me about what makes how this makes you feel. I really just am focused on the moms themselves, um and I could say that I don't think that any of this is that good for the moms, like yeah. the influencers. Like that's my perspective is like this is such hard work. Um, I don't begrudge them like creating these representations that suck for us like i actually don't blame them for that i think it's they they've become caught up in something that like is completely beyond their control um or not completely but like pretty badly beyond their control yeah. but yeah i mean i think that like it's th- th- because social media be- because instagram and tiktok which is kind of mainly what i'm talking about is you know set up for engagement Um, and you know, to, to reward maximum engagement and reward like these very specific types of engagement. Yeah, there's a certain kind of content that's always going to do well. And it's the content that makes us feel weird. And often it's like, you know, really specific body types and like bikinis. And it's, it's so kind of basic that these are the types of pictures that do well. And so we're served these things. Yeah, it, it, it's not great for us. But at the same time, like, I'm not someone who's going to come on here and be like, we should all like, uninstall Instagram like right right I feel like you know we're doing it it's it's tough like it's we're out here slogging through our our feeds and I kind of feel like we're all kind of in the mud together and Mm. the best we can do is like understand it better yeah because and that's the only way that we can maybe cope better with it because I don't think Mm. that like exit is an option like I think we're just we're stuck with what we have
1: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <That's> a <laughs> no, you know what? That actually makes me feel better because I do feel like the only solution we're ever offered when social media starts to feel too much or impact us negatively is like, just get off of it. And it's like, that is like, I cannot get off of Instagram because of my work. Like I have to be on Instagram because of the work I do. It's a part of it. So there has to be a, a middle solution because, you know, also we don't want to get on it. It's a way of seeing our friends and our family. So excuse me, Also, we don't want to get off of it. So I appreciate that you're offering this kind of solution because it's not one that I think is uh, as uh, talked about. So I'm just going to get more comfortable with understanding the momfluencers. Well,
2: yeah. And I think that it's fun to learn about this world. Mm. Like for me personally, talking to momfluencers and understanding their work as a form of labor has really disentangled my sense that like I should be doing what they're doing or whatever, because now I can really see like, it's just, it's a very relentless job. Yeah, Um, It's not, I would not characterize it as fun seeming from my perspective. Like when I talk to momfluencers i'm not like damn like you got you you've got it made like it's it's just a tremendous amount of work and and pressure and then they have this this algorithm or whichever algorithm they're working with whether it's tiktok or instagram or whatever that like is constantly changing and they don't understand what it wants mm-hmm. is this is their boss like it's literally oh, the God. algorithm is their manager and they are constantly trying to figure out what their manager wants. And like there's this whole folklore around like what the what the manager wants that like momfluencers are always sharing with each other. They'll be like, "Yo, like, you know, did you they have, you know, groups and stuff and they'll be like, "Did you did you hear that like so and so, you know, lost a bunch of followers after she posted that thing about, you know, XYZ, maybe we shouldn't be doing that." Like they're always trying to figure out what to do to avoid getting punished. So like just imagine if like your workplace was that like much of a like I i I don't want to say like too many profanities. Oh, sorry, but you can, it's a mind. You, you fuck, can. Man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a complete, it's, you know, the, it's a mind fuck for them. And, and they, I think, and they're supposed to make it seem fun and easy. Cause like the content is not appealing unless it seems like they're having an awesome time. So like, it's just oh, to me, I'm like, Oh, the women. So I kind of look at these images and I, and I really like to look at it and understand it
0: as labor. And for me, that kind of, it really, it helps me you you touched on something that i actually did want to ask you about which is so what happens when a mom mom influencer deviates from this path that we have you know come to expect from them you know you you alluded to them being punished um but i'm curious kind of what you have uncovered in your research and what are some things that Uh, you have seen be like, particularly sort of like alienating to audiences?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, so in during the Trump presidency, like, that was talking about politics was a real minefield for a lot of online personalities. And um, so like, essentially, audiences kind of broke down on partisan lines. And like, if a mom influencer came out as like, a Trump person or anti-Trump, they would lose like a huge segment of their audience and they kind of just had to like deal with it. Mm. And some people were like, well, I'm just never going to say anything about politics is I want to keep everyone. Um, and then, you know, so and that, you know, received criticism. So like politics has been really hard um, for everybody, but then sometimes you will have, I mean, a lot of people have been like, I'm embracing my political identity and I'm going to tell you what I think. And then the people who stay with me are my people. And like that, I think keeps everybody very sane and they kind of go forth with like a group of like-minded followers and there's less fighting. Um, so, I mean, that can happen, but also like, you know, some mom influencers I think are kind of burning out and leaving. And this is kind of this new emerging narrative. Like I'm thinking about um, Taza, Naomi mm-hmm. Davis, like she was humongous forever. She's like one of the first big mommy bloggers And she had like, I loved her content. Like, I just thought it always looked amazing. And like, she's adorable. And her family is super adorable. And she basically has just bailed from Mm. social media. She published a book. And now like, she's not been seen. And I think that she got really badly burned because she like rented an RV and drove across the country during COVID. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. Yep. (laughs) And people were like, uh, that's not, that's not ethical. Yeah. Like, she left that. New
1: York. Yeah. She
2: left New York. She's like, I'm going to Arizona. And it was just whatever happened there. I think she was like, I can't take this. This sucks. And so she quit. Um, I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth. I don't know that she has quit, but she definitely isn't posting anymore. And I think that a certain amount of like women will burn out of this work because they feel like they've lost a connection with their audience. Yeah. Um, or they're just like, I hate this lifestyle. I talked to a mom a couple of weeks ago who, she doesn't have a huge following, um, but like she makes her a living doing this. And she was like, I think I have to quit Instagram. Like, I just hate it. And I hate that I have to use it all the time. Because like, if you decide you want to take a break and don't post for two weeks, your engagement takes forever to build back up because the algorithm, according to her, punishes you for taking breaks. Oh my God. And she's like, a, you know somebody sometimes people want to take a fucking break from looking at instagram like yeah i feel i i uninstall instagram for a few months for a few weeks a year just because i'm like oh enough like it's a sanity thing and it's like they're not allowed
0: you know mm-hmm. and their
2: income depends on the engagement so she's like i can't work for this thing that won't let me take breaks like that is not right so i think that is it another way that people leave um but I mean, I think for the most part, people really try to keep their message really inside the guardrails because they know that they're gonna they're gonna pay. Like you have to be mm. willing to lose a lot of followers if you're gonna come out and say something really controversial. Um and just a lot of people are really wary of of that. And so they just so many things go unsaid. You know what I mean? I think it's that the kind of conservatism of Having this follower base that's volatile that you have to keep, you know, on your side means that you're going to just not say a lot of stuff that you might want to say. And that, I mean, that is also like, now we're seeing this like representation of of motherhood, of these like really cheerful women who like are only saying some of what they think, right? So we just don't see their three-dimensional selfhood because they can't do it because their followers will probably bail. So that is also significant in terms of this representation that we're
1: seeing. What is the, you know, I I think when we talk about mom influencers and the then the mom influencers who are making the most money, they are um white, right? Uh all mostly straight cis, thin. What is the the like what is the impact of this and is there any sort of um movement to have better representation in this space? Or is that kind of tricky because it's based on follow? Like, how does how how does this space become less homogenous?
2: So yeah, this space is so homogenous. It's like really something and especially when you look at other online spaces that are really not homogenous anymore. Like momfluencers feel like a little bit like we're stuck in the past here. Like Hmm. just as even like, you know, body positivity, like there's a lot of different ways of being that have become so much more celebrated and represented across social media. And in the mom world, I feel like we're not there. Um, I think influencer management companies are potentially helping this, which is to say they're working with like more kind of a less homogenous Group of influencers and they're trying to like push them. And I, so I give, I give like credit to those companies, um, that are basically just like talent, talent management companies that work with influencers and they like pair them with brands. Like when I look at like the roster on these like big companies lately, I've been like, wow, like this is cool. It's, it's definitely like more interesting looking than it used to be. But still, as far as who's making a lot of money in the mom space, it's white women. And I, I don't, I, I really don't know what it's going to take for that to change because there's definitely plenty of black momfluencers, but there's, I've noticed that like it's racially still very segregated in terms of the audiences. Like I don't feel like there are that many black momfluencers who are like as big as these white momfluencers. And mm. so I, I feel like it's, it's like this old style kind of, I mean, it's like racial segregation on the internet in terms of who's following what. Um, and it's obviously informal. But that's just how I see. And, you know, I was I was at this virtual conference uh, in the spring. And I remember there was a um, Black mom creator who was speaking at a panel. And she was like, you know, I'm really sick. Like, I've been trying to, like, do my content kind of, like, for everyone. Basically, like, not talk about myself as a Black woman and just be like, I'm a mom and trying to, like, appeal to a white audience. And she was basically saying, like, I'm tired of doing this. It's not rewarding to me. I I quit. Like, I'm going to just basically double down on my identity as a black mother because i just feel like it's it's truer to who i am and it's more interesting for me to make this content. so it's like that people have to choose um or that uh, that you know she's basically forsaking money by doing that is really telling i think.
1: Mm. Okay, well let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of Our skin as we get older, and how we treat it, and how we love it, because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad; they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory.
0: Okay, which is okay. I know. Is a
1: bull on my (sighs) neck and chest.
0: All right, we are back. I'm also curious um, if we could switch gears just slightly. Um, You have written about growing up on a commune. And um, I'm curious kind of what you see as um, the ways in which your upbringing has kind of informed both the ways like you raise your own children and also just like your views on the nuclear family yeah i love this question um
2: so i think i have this like really abiding obsession with like a feeling of belonging Mm. and i think one of the reasons why i got into momfluencers is because i was like looking at all of this content about family life and i was like i don't like feel that feeling anymore. like i don't see that like kind of like really like the the nougat at the center of life which is like this deep sense of and i've written about like coziness this is like an obsession that i i I don't know like i'm gonna be writing about this forever um i I just wasn't seeing that coziness and that belonging Mm -hmm. that like for me was really central to growing up so i grew up on this commune and it was a very it was like a group of friends essentially who like lived together so it was like a really the sense of belonging was really powerful because it's like, you don't choose your family, you know? And like some people like don't feel comfortable or don't feel that they belong with their family. But I like grew up with this group of people that were like, we are together because this is our spot and we belong. And like, I felt the most like just absolute deep tissue sense of belonging Mm. at this place. Mm. Like it was like, just, it's a feeling that I'm telling you I'm chasing it. I'm chasing it for the rest of my life because I've left and I'm an adult and I'm trying to make my own home with my kids. And like, it's not easy to make that feeling, you know? And like, yeah. I, it, it's like nothing. It's, it's really like just the absolute best. Um, and it's this just feeling like the the anecdote that I always use is like, you come in, like what I want is for people to come to my house. Cause this is the way it was at the communes show up unannounced, be like, Hey guys, I'm here. And just like, go see what's good in the fridge. You know, like, just go open the fridge. Be like, anything good in here? Like, what do you got? Because, like, that was what people would do there. Like, people would come over and be like, guys, got anything good? And it was just so, like, to me, that's this feeling of, like, real, like, we're really friends. And, like, I want my friends to do that when they come to my house. And they don't because it's not normal. We don't. That's not, like, how we socialize. But so it's having that childhood has really made me always looking for that feeling and like trying to locate places where I see it and be like, wow, there it is. There it is. There Mm. it is. You know? Um, And as far as my own, as far as my own family, um, I have two, I have two boys. I mean, mostly I think like I'm just a mess. Like I'm a messy housekeeper. (laughs) That's like the main uh, legacy of that. Um, I think I just want to feel like the house is open that like Mm -hmm. people can come over that their friends can be here. And you know, I live in a city obviously. And I live in an apartment with like upstairs and downstairs neighbors who like don't always want to hear like noise. So you have to live in the society that you live in. You know, it's not like I want to like have this like crazy house full of noise and chaos, but I want it to feel like not such a closed space. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's hard that's a hard thing.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's really hard. Um it was interesting to read about your childhood on the commune because my dad grew up on a kibbutz and I did not. Um and there're definitely like aspects of kibbutz living that I'm like, "Oh yeah, like that makes sense." Um so it was it was, it was very interesting for me to kind of I mean obviously your the commune was not a kibbutz, but there are similar aspects i think
2: yeah yeah I've, I've never been to a kibbutz but i've certainly heard so much about that whole <laughs> movement um yeah i mean like our commune was not like a work people didn't like do chores in any organized way <laughs> right like, right. people always ask like oh like it was there, like a chore chart like there wasn't even a chore chart which really means like it was really disorganized and like I love – I had a friend – I have a friend who grew up on a commune not far from me, and, like, I would go visit him, and it was, like – it was Quakers. It was all, like, Quaker people, and they were, like, really more organized, and, like, I would eat dinner there, and there was, like, a person – there was, like, a team of people that were going to, like, clean up that night, and I was like, ah, oh, this is so neat. Like, people <laughs> – yeah. like, they really – they have it all figured out, and they're all uh, so, like – whereas, like, if you just leave it up to chance, as it was at my commune, the right. people who clean up are usually – women. (laughs) And there's like a lot of like low level simmering hostility ensues. And then people have to talk about it. And when I was like eight, uh, one of the women on the commune was like asked me to make a sign to hang over the kitchen sink that said, Why not wash a dish for a friend? And I like drew a picture of like a cheerful two people holding dishes. And I like hung it up and I was really proud of my art. And then like the next day, somebody scrawled, "Boys and men are not exempt on the bottom of the sign oh it was wow, like, this is actually a pointed
0: this yeah. is a pointed
2: message yeah
0: wow um well you you brought up the messy house, which is mm. something that I wanted to talk about, and I will say you wrote in your newsletter that you do your zooms in front of a closet that has a lot of stuff in it and you are in what looks to be a pretty clean room so this looks very organized
2: you guys I was wondering if someone was going to call me out on this this is my son's room um, because it's because my um, office actually doesn't have awesome like when, when I'm on a recording sometimes it like doesn't act well so this is my like high priority recording zone my son's room and okay. I like rushed to like tidy up behind myself All but right. yeah I know okay. I'm sorry you don't get to see the mess like in person okay. but it's there it's over there it's Okay, the I mean, part of the house. <laughs> I
0: believe you I was just kind of looking forward to you know commiserating about this uh but no, um I, that that newsletter of yours like really resonated with me um as someone who just i like i it's not it's not possible um and i loved what you said about there needing to be like more representation of messy houses in media um Can you talk about like why the clean house has come to be seen as like this paragon of virtue and also how that relates to um, the the like neutral palette that all these houses have? Oh,
1: I know the palette you're talking about.
2: The neutrals. I know it's a real, it's a real movement. Um, Yeah. So I think that the whole cleanliness is virtuous thing is like, old and very ingrained. Um, And I think it has to do with women being homemakers and like doing our jobs, you know, effectively for forever. And uh, so I think that's a real tough nut to crack. Like it's going to take a lot for us to unlearn that one, you know? And that's Mm -hmm. the thing I'm always like, can't we just like disentangle this idea that it's like good to be a good housekeeper? And it's kind of like the answer is like, "Mm hmm, maybe not like <laughs> i don't know good luck with that like i would love to make it like morally neutral to be a mess and i feel like i know people who like are paragons of this that i really admire who just like are like i'm a good person i am uncomfortable with the way i live and also my house is is totally a disaster like i love that but i think it's it's that's a tough that's a tough one um so in terms of interiors on social media basically, I think that the main insight that I have, and I talked to this influencer management company, and they were like, yeah, we like, because I was like, what's the deal with the neutrals, guys? Like, why does everyone wear neutral clothes? Like, what is going on? And they were like, Oh, well, we just encourage our people to do that, because it allows sponsored products to be more visually striking, like they for contrast. So, you know, the images aren't as busy, and you can see the spawn better. And I was like, kind of horrified by this news because truly everyone's houses on the internet are neutral now and i'm like Mm -hmm. they're living Mm. as though like they're making spawn or they're living according to the edicts of these like spawn uh you know organizing entities but they themselves are just regular people like so yeah and and neutral kind of really minimalist the sort of you know you could even call it like a kind of a california i don't know i don't know anything about like decor but i know there's like a special term for like the kind of a crew interior with like a lot of like clean lines and not a lot of chintz or whatever yeah you know it's like it's you're going to see a mess in that kind of environment like it's going to be super visible whereas like if you have like kind of a slightly busy space Or like a crazy, like there's colors everywhere, like that'll hide a mess, you know, like you don't have to dust that all the time. Mm -hmm. So I just think there's so much more high maintenance, like having a minimalist home requires so much of the housekeeper, right? Like, I I mean, I only can imagine because I don't have a minimalist home. But like when I look at those images, I'm like, you have just passed the Swiffer and you're going to pass the Swiffer again like in half an hour Mm. because Mm -hmm. like if there's so much as like a boot print from outside, like the whole room, like all eyes on the boot print, you know? So, uh, I just think it's really labor intensive to have these spawn friendly interiors. Um,
1: yeah. So is social media creating more labor for women, whether regardless of if they're an influencer or not?
2: I mean, I, I, I think that is a really you could make that argument. Yeah. You could definitely make that argument. I uh you know, it's it's so annoying being an academic because like you're not supposed to just make these claims. Right. But like I'm really <laughs> tempted to. Like that sounds about right to me, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think I don't think that like people consuming mom flirts or content are like putting down their phones and going and being like, I'm buying a neutral living room and I'm gonna keep this place clean, goddammit. Like obviously we all have our lives that are not totally dictated by the the content that we consume however i think that these are the the things that we're looking up to and aspiring towards right so and they're really high maintenance and they're really high they, they require a lot of us so i think yeah pretty much
1: <laughs> i just wanted to
2: <laughs> validate what my fears uh, yeah. Oy, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah confirmed
1: okay thank you for <laughs> confirming that Oh boy. What is the, uh, what is the like upside of this? What is the upside? I know you said you don't, uh, in you know, you don't interview the followers, but do you feel like there is um, something positive coming out of this community and experience? Or is it really just, um, you know, frustrating labor for the creators, uh, perpetuating a lifestyle that's, you know, unattainable. I mean, is where do you see kind of like the light and the hope in the momfluencer world?
2: So I think that mommy blogs, which were like the precursors to momfluencers, which is like, you know, 20, 2000 and whatever, whenever blogging started until like basically Instagram. So there was like a good decade of blogging. And I feel like that did a lot of good for everybody. I think that that was a time when like, We started talking about like postpartum depression. We started talking about breastfeeding and like just all this like body stuff and like reproductive stuff and and identity stuff that really had not been talked about. So I think that discourses were like progress was made in discourse and like what was allowed to be said really Mm. changed thanks to mommy bloggers. Because, and it's partly because, like, they weren't sponsored. They were saying whatever they wanted. Yeah. And even after they were sponsored, like, Heather Armstrong, deuce. Oh
1: boy. Like, she's
2: been, like, just saying everything she wants to say the whole time. Um, so I think that's been really good for, for everybody. Um, and I think that, that there's still a little bit of that. Like, what's sayable is still changing very slowly. Like, I think that people are talking more and more about just there are certain issues and maybe you guys can i don't know maybe i'm wrong i feel like we we now can talk about mental health more i think covid allowed moms to talk about mental health in a more real way and that mm-hmm. happened with the moms and now like the mom influencers are allowed to talk about you know depression they're allowed to talk about antidepressants i think they're allowed to really like go there in a way that they really weren't before mm-hmm. um so that's good Um, and and I'll say this like, listen, people are making a living. Like a lot of women who are stuck at home, trying to raise kids, don't can't afford childcare, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, are earning money and they're kind of they are commodifying and commercializing the act of being a domestic person and they're earning money. Now, this is it's a highly controversial statement to say this is like good. I'm I'm not going to make a value judgment about it, but it's happening. Mm. So if you think that's a good thing, then it's a good thing because like, these are people and many, and the moms themselves will be like, this is an amazing thing. My family's life has changed. Like I've been able to, you know, change, do things have agency that I couldn't have because I was a stay at home mom, you know, and that, that is a real thing.
0: Well, Catherine, I, I mean, I could, I feel like I could talk, we could talk to you about this for literally days. Um, but you probably have some other things you need to do with your life. So, um, (laughs) we we will wrap it up here, but, um, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about all these things that I just find like endlessly fascinating. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can subscribe to your newsletter, anything else you want to kind of promote?
2: Yeah, um so I'm at mothersundertheinfluence.substack.com. That's my Substack, Mothers Under the Influence. Um I'm on I'm on Twitter, kjzermorton. Uh you can follow me there, but I I feel like don't don't spend any more time on Twitter than is like professionally necessary <laughs> for you. Don't go there. Um <laughs> and I'm on Instagram um at kjzermo these are all handles that I created a hundred years ago and I'm never going to change. So they're not very yep. like, you know, it's just, it's just my old stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much. It's really been fun. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate what you guys do. So thanks.
0: Oh, thank you. And the feeling is mutual.
1: Dory, do you follow any mom fluencers on social media? Um,
0: I don't think I do, unless you count like Turtle Creek Lane, but she's not like a real, she's like more of a, she's more like a de- um, decor, decor fluencer. influencer. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Slash a vibrator defluencer Yes. Shh.
0: Totally. Shh. Anyway, let's talk um, our intentions. Let's do it. So this week, I am starting the new Power Zone Pack Challenge on the Peloton. Spin. Speaking of
1: influencers, this is really your beat—the
0: Power Zone Pack, <laughs> yes, <laughs> in particular. Yes, um, yeah. You know, the group is like there's like over 200 people who are in the Forever so cool. 30 or on the Forever 35 team. It's very cool, and like what's also cool is like we often get people who had done the challenge previously but on a different team. Got it. Okay. And then they join the Forever 35 team. Ooh, and
1: they're like, poaching. Oh,
0: They're like these are my people. Oh, that's because there's some. I don't want to get too deep, but like there's some teams that they're just obsessed with getting like the points. And if you don't do all the rides one week, they like get very mad. And so, as you can imagine, that is the antithesis of the Forever 35 group. Like, do what you can. Like yeah, do what feels good to you. Yeah, it's good it's fine. It's all good. So um yeah, it's a really supportive great group. But all that said, I have not been on the Peloton as much as I would like lately. I think I like after I hurt my foot and kind of recovered, I just like haven't been in the mood to get back on. And so I'm like kind of like gearing up to to get back on the horse, as it were.
1: Cool. A horse being my
0: bike. Being a bike. Yeah. You get back on the bike, but why why not call it a horse? Yes. So that is my intention this week. What about you, Kate?
1: So my intention this week is to dig out the old microcurrent device and give it a go on my face for the next couple of weeks and see what happens. I know that I'm not going to see immediate change in two weeks, but I was just like, maybe I just get into the practice of this. Let's see. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I can do it you know like reading my book mm-hmm. and micro you know if i keep the microcurrent device and the serum-y stuff by the side of my bed and i get in with my book will i also microcurrent i don't know possibly mm-hmm. so we're just mm-hmm. it's just a microcurrent device test run for the intention this week to see if i see if i like it again
0: okay All i'm right. excited for you
1: i will report back in a week as we do
0: Please do. Um, Kate, let's also remind everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrier, and you, Kate Spencer, are produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, our network partner's Acast. We'll talk to you all very soon. Bye. Bye.